Hey, everybody, we're live. We're going to get the show going in uh, just a minute here, but we'll start off by thanking a couple of sponsors, and we'll start with the place that we're sitting. The Farrier Bar at the Brentwood Hotel is one of the coolest places to hang in Saratoga, as far as I'm concerned. Fantastic wines, great cocktails, some cool beers, some interesting things like matcha going on there. Beautiful, uh, beautiful creation here by Marcus behind the bar. Brentwood is also a great place to stay off-season, so we encourage you to check out the potential availability if you're thinking of a long weekend away or however you want to play it. But just really want to thank Marcus, who's done such a great job doing about 15 different jobs during these shows all year long. And uh, friends at Brentwood, uh, very, very uh, happy to be working with them and having them as sponsors. Speaking of sponsors, thank you to our friends at Jellyfish Water. Staying hydrated, the key to getting through not just the 40 days of Saratoga, but critically, the 40 nights. And Jellyfish Water is a great way to renew and refresh. We're very pleased that they've come on board to sponsor these Brentwood shows this summer as well. And we'll be back with the show after we play the song. Welcome to Live at the Farrier Bar. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal. So happy to be back with you one last time. We've had a great summer of shows and really pleased to be joined today by a guest who's been with us before here, who I have the pleasure of working with at In The Money Media via her In The Ring podcast and somebody you've watched on your TV all summer. If you're any kind of racing fan, she is Acacia Courtney Clement. How are things, Acacia? I'm great. Uh, great to be here. I always love coming to the Brentwood for, for these shows. It's such a cool place. Brought some friends along today, too, that are visiting for the weekend of the races. Um, I think I like pretty much everybody in the town of Saratoga crawl into the wire a little bit here, but we've got 13 races today. We're going to get through it, um, but I, I, I'm just, uh, more than anything, I'm just really grateful that the fans have been so amazing. The support from the handicappers, the betters this summer, uh, the horsemen putting their horses out there for us to enjoy, and of course the equine athletes that have just been absolutely incredible and putting on some wonderful shows this summer. We've had some amazing storylines to follow too, just really special moments throughout the meet. John Velasquez with his thousandth win comes to mind. Just a lot of really, really special moments that I feel really privileged I got to be part of. So cool. Well, let's start with one, another one of those moments, and I'll, I'll open it up to you to pick a particular equine performance that has uh, uh, impressed you this year. Uh, on a personal note, seeing Gufo win the Sword Dancer yes. last weekend was really, really special. Of course, my, my husband, Miguel, the son and assistant trainer to Christoph Mont. So it was really, really cool to see Gufo defend his title and get his third grade one win because he's the type of horse that you always know the talent is there. He, he is always in with a shot. And sometimes he doesn't get the pace to run at. He's all about timing. Um, you know, he was like, 15 plus lengths back in the United Nations and they put the blinkers back on in the sword dancer and he broke pretty well he was in a great spot he was traveling nicely under Joel Rosario who's been having a banner summer too as far as the graded states are concerned and all professionalism just kind of went out the window when I was in my spot in the winner's circle screaming him home. Um, but it was just such a cool moment to see and, and to celebrate. I mean, a great one win at Saratoga. Any win at Saratoga is really tough. 
But a grade one win in, in particular and defending his title in that caliber of race was awesome. I love that. You mentioned the John Velasquez moment, a thousand yeah. wins at Saratoga. I mean, just uh, uh, hard to wrap one's brain around type of achievement. What was it like to be so close to that moment? It was. I got the opportunity to interview him right after that victory and um, seeing his wife, Leona, walk him into the winner's circle on the Belmont <laughs> horse was really special. The, the, it just reminds you, too, you can't do anything in this game without support. And, and he mentioned his family, of course, the support from trainers and the fans, too, at Saratoga. When he crossed the wire, and obviously it's something that everybody's been following, the place erupted. I mean, it was a, it was a maiden special weight race. Obviously a great race, but it, it wasn't, you know, a grade one. And then him coming into the winner's circle, the crowd went wild. And they put the interview that I did with him um, up on the PA system so the whole the whole stands could hear it. And when he thanked the crowd, everybody started <laughs> cheering so much again. And it, it's one of those things that makes Saratoga so special. That got me actually a little bit more emotional that moment than I anticipated it would because it's such a huge achievement for somebody that's been such a, a great mentor to so many other yep. riders and so many other individuals in the sport. He's the patron. And, yeah. And, you know, that's the thing that I've been hearing about since it was, you know, Bailey and, and you know, he, he's, there seems to always be somebody in the jocks room who's like yeah. that, the public face and the boss, basically, sure. who uh, who helps uh, deal with issues and, and that kind of stuff. And to have somebody who's in that position, I would imagine the, the, his fellow riders were, were pretty in that moment, too. It was a cool moment. All of them that had ridden in the race and were beat by him came in and got in the wind picture and, and we're supporting him and uh, you know when I worked with Jason Blewett down in, at Gulfstream Park he had coined the name the five-star general for John Velasquez awesome. and it's absolutely true yeah. I mean it's it's right on really um, and he is and he said you know his work with the permanently disabled jockeys fund and and all the things that he does with with advocating for for riders, he said that's his way of giving back to a sport that's given him so much. So cool. Mm -hmm. Very, very good stuff. Let's talk about your podcast for a minute. Yeah. I know you've got a, a guest that you've been chasing for a, for a very <laughs> long time uh, coming up real soon. Tell us that story. Yes, my husband, uh, it turns out, was the most difficult guest to get on the podcast that there ever was. Um, but it's really cool. We, we really appreciate um, the support of Adelphi Racing Club. And so Matt Kater had a great idea. Idea to kind of take people through every step of buying a racehorse. So we've got Joe Migliori and the Bloodstock agent, Matt Kater, the owner, and finally was able to convince Miguel uh, as far as the trainer side to come in and all talk about the experience of buying two horses at the Facing Tipton New York Bread sale and what goes in from literally day one to getting them onto the racetrack. And hopefully we'll get a chance to follow these two horses and maybe winning in uh, New York Bread Maiden Special Weights at Saratoga next year. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed for the whole team on that one. Yeah, you've done a great job covering the industry, giving that uh, perspective. And I love the fact that, you know, I know some of your listenership is people who are actually in the industry, but you also have horse players who want to learn. I feel like you can't help but become a better horse player when you understand a little bit more about what goes into the process. It's true. And the sales and breeding pedigrees, those are things that really fascinate me. And I really had the opportunity to be close to. But I feel like, as you mentioned, and still some people that work in the sport may are handicappers 
just really don't know much about that side of the of the sport and it, it is really kind of kept separate so we're pulling the curtain back a little bit and I've had some really fascinating guests I'm working on um, bringing on some more for the next couple of weeks and to kind of wrap up the meet and some big people that have had success throughout the summer in Saratoga and um, trying to get some from the west coast as well because you you can get owners that have gotten a glimpse into it, bloodstock agents, breeders, um, people that are pin hooking. I mean, there's so many people on that side of the of the sport that I think have some really interesting stories to tell. And one of the things that I think our show on um, Saratoga Live does such good job about is telling those stories and that's something i enjoy doing so uh, i've been having fun picking people's brains that's great and it's a nice complimentary piece right i mean yeah. the beauty of a podcast is you get to get much uh, deeper than you can on tv just sure. because it's such it's quick hits and you guys have so many talented people on the show you know that you, you gotta move things around a bit but that ability to ask the follow-ups and really right. uh, dive deeper is something that i've appreciated about your interviews on there i appreciate that i really do um yeah i thought I mean, having somebody like Bobby Flight, for instance, come on and have him talk about, you could feel the passion in his voice for breeding, which when you get to a quick interview with him on the racetrack, you don't really get to touch on that side of things so much. So that was really cool because he's obviously a big name outside of horse racing too, and yet he's taken so much time to learn so much about the breeding side and it's something that he's so passionate about that was one thing that I, I really really enjoyed too I think you make a really good point about having people that have a resonance outside the world of racing I think now more than ever yeah. with all this influx of sports bettors and the, the betting culture of our country changing we're gonna have more people than ever looking at horse racing and this isn't like other countries where everybody sort of grows up and you know you know if you're Australian or you're English like there are national holidays that center around racing like there's right. gonna be a lot of people coming in that don't know anything and when they see Bobby Flay when they see Coach Parcells yeah. when they see you know any athletes or entertainers who are involved in the sport I think it's a really nice lure to, to to bring them in and I think you guys on the show do a really good job um, you know highlighting some of that stuff and exposing our game to a new audience have you noticed any differences in horse racing as the gambling culture is, is, is changing? I'm just curious to get your perspective on that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that it's become uh, a lot more of a conversation. I think especially over the last couple of years, I had a couple people come up to me yesterday who were owners with West Point, and they said, we really first got you know entrenched in racing because of the pandemic, and there were no other sports on. Right. And we started watching your show because that's all that was on. Right. And, um, and that was really cool, too. I mean, I had... Um, uh, somebody that's become a dear friend now too, Scott Perry, who's the general manager of the New York Knicks, reached out to me during COVID because he was in Florida and he said there were no sports going on and he had had a love of horse racing when he was a child and had got back into it and you know we brought him out to the races brought him to Belmont Park had a great time and like I said I mean he came to our wedding you know That's so it, it's amazing how you got a chance to become close to individuals because of that because I think a lot of people started tuning in when there wasn't much else to watch or to bet on and I think we've done a reasonable reasonably good job in retaining those fans yeah. too it shows in the numbers yeah it really does and and we've had an unbelievable summer here I 
think um, the, the bright sunny days and few off the turf races have definitely helped but more than anything. Um, we've got people that are eager to come back to the racetrack. We've got people that are eager to come and wager and we, we couldn't be more appreciative of that. I think we do see, especially you know in New York with the change of the pick six format and going back to the dollar wager, um, the pick fives are always so popular and that's really cool and I think they've done a good job in putting some, some exciting sequences together that people want to take part in. We'll talk about uh, the, the, a few of the races in that pick six sequence in a minute after we take our break, but I did have one more for you before that. You joked about uh, getting tired at the wire here, <laughs> but what, uh, seriously, emotionally, what does it feel like at the at the end of the meet? And it's a little bit different for you, of course, because yeah. you're, you're, you know, you have this, uh, this geographical issue as well. <laughs> I do. Um, it, it, so for those that are not familiar, my husband actually stays up here in Saratoga after the meet. He's in Saratoga full time from May 1st to November 1st, pretty much, um, with the the division of runners up here training for his father. And Christoph goes back to Belmont or to Aqueduct in the falls will do now. And the only time you'll ever see Miguel at Belmont is on Belmont Stakes Day. That's it. Otherwise, he's up here. So that means that we're going back to me driving Sunday night up to Saratoga, driving back down Wednesday or Thursday morning for racing, kind of doing the drive that all the trainers do. So I'm not looking forward to going back to that drive. And um, as uh, as much of a small thing as it does appear to be, just being in the same place as your husband and um, we were you know just married in march and uh, somebody asked me haven't you gotten sick of him yet you've been with him every day here and i said well you know no not yet so it's probably a good thing because i'm signed up for life you know um but uh, but it's been really nice and, and this is honestly you know as as a new york-based stable as um now i'm full-time in new york this summer is what we all look forward to. This is what we wait for. And of course, the fact that it's a boutique meet is what makes it more special. But yeah, it's a little sad at the end of the meet. You haven't gotten to the point, and you can't because you have to go back and forth too. But you know, yeah. to some of the locals up here, we can't wait till you people leave. <laughs> they get that attitude. Perhaps right. Miguel has that attitude about uh, about us, but. Uh, it, it, uh... No, no, not at all. He's just as sad when everybody leaves too. When you love, when it's in the, when it's in your blood, when it's what you do. I mean, there is something just so special yeah, about this really meet. Is. We're going to talk about some specific races, but let me just take one minute to thank our other sponsor. Um, well, two other sponsors. We'll give a shout out to uh, to Naira and Naira Bets. One thing that we've been pushing all summer is these $300 contests every Saturday. Those are going to continue yeah. when we get down to uh, Aqueduct. I, I almost reflexively say Belmont. And we put together a little link on our website so you can easily find the contest info. That's in the moneypodcast.com slash contests. We'll get you to the Naira uh, contest sign up page. And then we also have created a pretty link on the site so you can easily find when and where the, the show is going to be on in the moneypodcast.com slash TV. So use those links and learn all about the cool stuff going on on the broadcast and with contests. We'll also thank our friends at Albany Distilling Company. The vodka is here. It'll be in the Bloody Mary I have once it once it hits 12. It's going to be a long day, so I'm holding off. There it is. Marcus is uh, on the spot with the, Look the at nice, it. nice it product. Yeah, it's beautiful. And they also have a great whiskey series called Ironweed. They have made the two podcast whiskeys that we've done. Check out Albany Distilling Company. It's also worth visiting them in Albany, the, there's a DeFazio's Pizza right next door. They've got a relationship where you eat the pizza and you have your cocktails and, you know, it's a great spot. Albany Distilling Company, check it out. Now we're back here for live at the Farrier Bar with Acacia and we're going to talk about some races. Where shall we begin? 
I like it. Well, I think we were going to do 9, 10, 11. So Let's two grated steaks and then the two other than, which is as salty as they come up here. It really is tricky. You have yeah. a strong opinion in here? Um, in, in the allowance race? Yes. Um, no. <laughs> so that is, so I'm looking forward to being in the paddock for this race because I'm hoping that that will kind of change some things uh, around as far as um, horses that will jump off. And, and grab you there. But I think there there are several really in this race that you can make a case for. Obviously, I think the race kind of settles around graded on a curve who did have trouble last time out. Big time. And this is a horse who, he came back as a six-year-old and he's actually done well this year, really. I mean, he had a, a nightmare trip last time out. I also was really wondering if he wanted to go that far last time. That was in my physical notes. So I think cutting back to the mile on the 16th is going to be the better spot for him. But there's some intriguing horses. One that I'm interested to see is Lorenz mm -hmm. for Safi Joseph Jr., who's had a much stronger summer up here this year. And this is a horse that'll make the second start for his barn. And I like the He's brought him up, brought him up, and trained him over the turf course on the Oklahoma too. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. He's uh, off to a great start at Kentucky Downs yep. as well. So yeah, that barn definitely in, in flying fettle at the moment. Mm -hmm. I like graded on the curve as well. Yeah. One runner I was curious if you had a thought about is uh, the forerunner Sanctuary City, who cool I just think horse. is yeah very consistent. Yeah. And I think that last race, I, I just think that form's looking real good with Soldier Rising coming back and running so well in it's the uh, Grade One. He ran a, a 103 buyer speed figure too to finish third. Um, in the, in the sword dancer. And actually it's interesting because Sanctuary City is a five-year-old horse and he is a horse that actually ran in all of these open graded stakes. So he's a New York bred. So he's he's kind of been in all of the conditions pretty yep. much. And no matter what the distance, no matter what the level of competition, he just kind of runs his race. And you have to love a horse like that. I mean, he's really fun to follow. He looks the exact same every time. Um, he was a little bit wide last time out too. He's another one that Though he's run well going longer, I still don't really think he wants to go that far. Um, so he's going to go back to, I think, a better distance. If he's able to get back to the winner's circle today, I think he's, he's kind of be a, a fan favorite to celebrate in that spot. That's a, a good way of putting it. You yeah. love those admirably tough and yeah. consistent runners. I mean, we love all the runners, but there, there's some that, you know, really get you uh, get you pumped up as a racing fan, and, and yeah. that's a horse I'd love to see. I'd love to see Sanctuary City get it done, but I'm going to have a lot of graded on a curve on my tickets I think well. he's the horse to beat. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, like your, I like your enthusiasm for my pick. That's good. <laughs> we've had good luck when we've had agreement on these yes. shows in the other weeks. Let's talk about the Flower Bowl. Is it, I mean, and the, the easiest way to ask it is, is it as simple as... Or like goddess. I think she is going to be incredibly tough to beat. I mean, you, you look at an example of Jackie's Warrior getting defeated last weekend. They call it the, the graveyard of champions, the graveyard of favorites here at Saratoga. We all know, we've been around racing long enough, that there's no such thing as a sure thing. Anything can happen. But my goodness, she was incredible last time out. And I know that there had even been some conversation about trying her and the likes of the sword dancer running her against the boys. And she comes back here in the Flower Bowl. She's looking to defend her her title in this race. Um, her last two races have just been excellent, particularly, I thought, in the Glens Falls. So she's going to be very, very tough to get around. And it's funny. Um, Actually, Maggie Wolfendale's uncle, uh, Rudy Wolfendale, gallops horses for Bill Ma, and he said, "When when you're riding, we're like goddess." 
you feel like she's just kind of loping around. And then you look down and you see the ground just whizzing by. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to pull her up. She's actually going really fast, which is, which is, I thought was hysterical. Um, so that's just kind of how she is, but she's, she's been impressive. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, mm -hmm. but assuming she does what we think she's going to do today, right. which direction they choose to go, whether it will be yeah. taking on the boys, going farther or uh, cutting back to what maybe is a little sharp for her at the, the mile and 316th mm. where they run the Philly and Mare turf at the Breeders' Cup uh, at Keeneland. Um, what would be, where would you want to see her? Um, as far as place in the race? Yeah. As, well, last time out, I thought too, she really did all the dirty work too. I mean, she, she made kind of that earlier move. Um, I think Virginia Joy is the one that has a lot, I guess, the most pace in here. But the nice thing about Warlike Goddess is that she's pretty versatile. I just hope that Sometimes Joel Rosario can have horses pretty far back. I hope that she's not too far back. Um, I would expect her to be kind of mid-pack and kind of up close yeah. onto that pace. But I have to give a little love to Temple City Terror, too, because she's a filly, or now I should say mare, that I remember towards the start of her career. And I was always writing in my notes, wants to go longer, wants to go longer. And then all of a sudden, they stretched her out to a mile and a half, and she kind of became a new horse. And she ran a good second behind More Like Goddess last time out. I think she's a cool horse, but um, they've, they've all got to get around a big mare. Do you think in terms of uh, a horse to come with you, we might see that same exacta today? It's possible. I do think that Virginia Joy is going to be tough in here as well. I think pace-wise, she's one that could potentially be um, kind of the main player as we saw her really kind of comfortably. I know it was in a bog, uh, wire the field in the Sheepshead Bay, but she has some really speed. And we've seen this, that sometimes in these longer distance races when there's just not much pace signed on, uh, maybe a horse that gets a little comfortable towards the front can be a big player. Can hang in there for, mm -hmm. for second, presumably. Yep. Let's talk about the other big one, the Jockey Club Gold uh, Cup Stakes. Grade one, actually, I should have mentioned that. The previous race, the Flower Bowl, also a win in your in-race for the Breeders' yeah. Cup. This one uh, for the Classic. And for me, I, I, the, the biggest question of the race is which version of Olympiad are we going to see? Uh, how do you answer that question? What do you think of his chances? So looking back at what we saw from him in the Whitney, I think that he had... A couple things happen. One was that he was stuck chasing a superior horse and life is good. And two, he was a little dull in the paddock That's prior to the race. And um, I had not seen him in the flesh since earlier this year at Gulfstream when he won in January. And um, he was a horse that used to be pretty energetic. And he has flourished this year and has just been tremendous for Bill Martin. And coming in, it was kind of a life is good versus Olympiad. And life is good looked like a, like a bullfighter in the ring. I mean, he was on his toes. He was all puffed up. He was like a fire-breathing dragon in the paddock. <laughs> and Olympiad just really completely underwhelmed me that day. So um, maybe it was something that happened as a result of that. To be honest, I've always questioned how far Olympiad really wants to go. So the mile and a quarter is a little bit of a question for me. Can he win today? Absolutely. I'd be thrilled to see him get back on track and end up um, getting into back into what we know that he can do, which he showed with that streak that he put together when he came back in 2022. So I'm a little hesitant of him today. Who do you like in the race? 
Uh, I went back and forth so many times. I, I just kept going back to between Dynamic One and First Captain. And First Captain is doing really well and looking at his workouts and how he's been training leading up to this race for Shumgehi. I know that this is a race that they've been pointing to. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to officially claim him as my pick going into this race. I'm really curious to see just how everybody is acting in the paddock prior and who really kind of stands out but on pedigree he should absolutely get the distance he's a horse that's kind of I think a good example of a Shug McGahey horse that's been brought along slowly is finally really starting to find his best footing and maybe hasn't quite lived up to the high billing that we were expecting of him but a race like this could absolutely make him take a step forward um, in a big way and kind of make that slower progression all worth it um i think he's kind of the the sleeper in this race that could be peaking at the right time i think it's interesting yeah that's a great pedigree <laughs> yeah <laughs> this one is a, he's a he's a sibling to the bobby flay bread right. runner that that uh, yep. sold for so much money for at the two sale million. yeah mm -hmm. and you know the curl and ap indy cross distance uh, clearly yeah. meant to be meant to be the friend so <laughs> i'd love to see it I've, I've always been a fan of first captain and but i'm 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 gonna take the more optimistic view of olympia though it does give me pause what you were saying about um the, the, the I'd, I'd like to some bets will already be in but before I fully commit I think taking a look at the paddock and or listening yes. to what you have to say might be a good idea <laughs> be interesting if he he's breathing a little bit more fire today right well it was just so interesting and I think a perfect example that sometimes it could be this beautiful horse but Sometimes you try to look on an individual basis, and sometimes you really do want to compare relative to what they're facing. So when you have two very talented horses and accomplished horses, and then you compare them to one another and you say, wow, there's really no comparison. You know, that's what kind of pushes you in one direction versus another. No, it makes perfect sense. And mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit more about the work you're, you're doing in the paddock. I mean, this is, it seems to me you've just gotten better and better. Thank you. you. You've, you've known about horse flesh for a long time, mm -hmm. but how have you sort of sharpened your axe and, and gotten you know, even more into the, the physicality part of things? Is it just reps or is there more to it than that? I think following one particular circuit is, is hugely beneficial in being able to have a reference of those particular horses to say, last year versus last month versus today this is the change i'm seeing in this horse and i think that that is such a big piece of it in being able to say that um i really think too that i've also learned a lot um about new york racing in particular about what seems to fare well on these tracks whether it's the inner turf course whether it's at the widener at belmont whether it's uh, you know the new wilson shoot here like what are you really looking for for those particular types of races and i think just seeing a lot more horses too um, and being able to find the right words to explain things a little bit better as well i appreciate that on this show i'm not only allowed to give opinions but i'm allowed to kind of get into depth a little bit more in explaining why something is so significant it's great excellent answer and Thank Excellent you. work you do in all the Thank various you. roles. You're like the Swiss Army knife <laughs> Thank broadcast. You. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's kind of what they call me, which is funny. I go from hosting, uh, now I'm in the paddock throughout the summer. I'll be back on the desk hosting when we get back to the Belmont at Aqueduct meet in the fall, um, and then sometimes as the analyst as well. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Acacia, thank you so much for coming by. We're going to hang thank out you. for a minute and eat some bagels and yeah. 
maybe get one of those Bloody Marys, but just want to thank you immensely for uh, coming on the show today and joining thank us. Thank you. And, and Marcus made me a matcha thing. Yeah, how is the matcha which thing? Which is incredible. It's so. delicious. Saratoga tea and honey matcha. Saratoga tea and honey matcha. Beautiful. Highly recommend if you come to the Brentwood. We love yeah. that. We love that. That's available yeah. to everybody. That wasn't just special for oh, us. Marcus. Be, that's, that's off menu, but available. <laughs> Sorry about it. Oh, no, that's good. That's <laughs> I'm telling the trade secret. No, that's good. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So we'll thank Marcus one more time and our friends at the Brentwood, our friends at Naira as well, Jellyfish Water, and of course, Albany Distilling Company. Really, really appreciate it. What a great summer it was. Thanks to everybody who helped made it possible and the folks who come and uh, join us. And hopefully doing it for the foreseeable future um, as well. Going to be going to be a lot of fun. All right, that's going to do it. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Acacia's colleague, Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. Here I am.